Borak Dung Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 81st episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest Comic 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're looking at 2000 AD for May 1982, progs 262 to 266. True justice in the pages of these comics. Oh yeah, this week we'll solve the case with Sam Slade, restart revenge with Matt Talon, and strike <laughs> back with Judge Dredd. Jeez, I mean, I, like he's like a smoker. He quits for like two weeks and then he's back on the wagon. Yeah, he definitely is not real earnest in quitting revenge i must say yeah it just takes a little bit well we'll get there but goddamn like yeah. Matt talent this guy but before then let's get investigating with thrill one robo hunter hmm? uh, yeah robo hunter comes in and gives you exciting stories like pam pam right to the face <laughs> Like uh, who done it? Mystery and pies. Exactly. Script robot Alan Grant. Art robot Ian Gibson. Letting robot Steve Potter. So okay, we're investigating Blackheart Manor and the Beast of Blackheart Fox. Another hotel guest has fallen victim to the Beast. Oh God! They keep getting snatched. Yeah. The uh, the Earl is getting nervous about it, but actually, like Talbot, the Robo Butler, says him that like actually people disappearing on the grounds is good for business. Like pe- more people are coming because they're getting killed on the ground. <laughs> they're disappearing. Yeah, they're like <laughs> because oh, man, of the monster wouldn't attacks. It be, wouldn't it be great to stay at a hotel where you could just randomly get murdered? Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah. This is you know better than just being bored, I guess. I, I mean. It's also it's better to be alive. I don't know. Nah. Uh, the uh, the robot butler also says that uh, that the Earl should fire Sam Slade because he's a pig of a butler. <laughs> no, I mean, look. The fact of the matter is, is that this guy's investigating some stuff here. Uh, there's no problem. I'm going to take these pies to the people who want it. We're making almost as much money uh, on this mansion as we are on the pies. Just That's right. Put that out there. Yeah. So in the light of day, Sam investigates the ground. He finds a weird trail of slime that leads through the grounds and into a fence in Maturi Park, which is an animal reserve full of mutated animals. There's oh, like, they are so awesome. There's like el- monkeys with uh, monkey bodies with elephant heads. There's uh, uh, tigers anteater. on alligator bodies. Yeah, there's uh, flamingos with anteater heads. Oh, that's Ibix great. kangaroos, all kinds of stuff. It's real uh, great. Sam finds a slime pit and starts poking around in it, at which point the <laughs> zoo warden shows up and kicks him out of the park. Hey, you can't go poking around in slime pits. Get uh, out of here, going on buddy. With the slime pit anyway. Why are yeah. you poking around this thing? Get, get <laughs> out of here. Sam arrives back at Blackheart Manor in time to see the tour covered like this cage that once held the original Beast of Blackheart, and then the start yeah. of the daily robo-jousting tournament. And so that night, he leaves in the middle of dinner to do some more investigating. He swipes the cage and sets up a trap to catch the big monster that we've seen wandering the grounds previously. What is the Beast of Blackheart? So, like, they told a story last time that, like, the one of the earlier Earls of Blackheart, like, sort of went evil and started wandering around, killing people, and just doing sort of basically, you know, old school Earl kind of things, I guess. So, so he was just the Beast. He was just yeah. a dick. Yeah, the Earl was the beast, and, you know, he still haunts the grounds to Ooh. this day. Or maybe it's this crazy monster that Sam is up a tree branch waiting for, and the beast gets just a little closer. He can catch it. Oh, man, some Scooby-Doo shit's about to go down. Totally. We hear the uh, cry of the beast striking again as Sam Slade catches the monster, for a moment at least, but then, like, the beast just kind of breaks through the cage. <laughs> Because it's yeah, just it's sort of ripped. like some iron bars with a piece of wood on top, basically. Yep. Uh, Sam tries to punch the monster, but it has zero effect, <laughs> after which the beast just sort of slaps and that Sam and knocks him out for a few moments. Luckily, 20, man. Critical damage. Hey, man, you got to be careful. Luckily, some quick kicks to the nose from Stogie wake Sam up, and he shoots the beast in the back. As you do. It's yeah, all me- done. Totally, yeah, you know, you gotta be able to take these things alive. Meanwhile, the RoboCops are investigating the uh, the most recent uh, disappearance at the mansion. Hoagie tries to help and ask some questions, but instead gets kicked right out the door right away. Because they're Hoagie questions. You know, like, hey, your wife has disappeared. Has she ever done this before? <laughs> he, uh, 
He wanders the halls of the mansion when suddenly a slimy hand appears from a hidden door and grabs him. Oh man, I'm Hoagie, I'm in the dark. What's going on? Axe to the head. Yeah, he gets hit right between the eyes by an axe. And it turns out that this whole thing is a conspiracy by Talbot the robo-butler and the uh, robot cook. Which... which seems a lot, but all right. I mean, it seems bothersome for someone who enjoys the taste of those pies. That's what I gotta say. Uh, <laughs> um, they've taken out Hoagie, and now they intend to kill Sam as well. Meanwhile, Sam is trying to escort the monster back to the mansion when he's attacked by a horde of Robo Knights. Um, that's so great, man. Have you ever seen bed knobs and broomsticks? It's been a while for me. I gotta say. It reminds me of, like, the third act where all the reanimated knights go and kick some ass against nice. some nazis. I gotta check that out. Yeah, but there's a Sam Blast 1, but he gets knocked over by a, by a lance. He gets mm-hmm. trampled by robo hooves. And then Not there's great. a knight with a robo mace bearing down on him. Oh, I.e., is this the end for the great Sam Slade? I think he's gonna be all right. No way, buddy. Yeah, even without his blaster, there's nary a robot alive that can take down Sam Slade. He misdirects a mace and then takes down a knight with a an errant blast, and then takes down another. Stogie's pumped by this robot massacre, which is like really <laughs> fucked up, man. No, nah, man, he's a Sam Slade fan, you know. I mean, you know, they're your kind. I don't know. I don't know the politics of this stuff. Um, <laughs> Sam returns to the mansion with a monster in in a ropes as the beast strikes again. So that's at least twice that since Sam has caught this monster that it's struck and taken and uh, and uh, kidnapped someone, one of the guests in the mansion. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Hoagie's down there looking at dead bodies. Yeah. Well, Hoagie, Hoagie comes too because an axe to the head is not really something that's going to stop you when you're Hoagie. You know, there's not really a, a, a lot of vital stuff up there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he sees a couple of dead bodies at the bottom of like this like secret passageway thing, and he goes to tell Sam. As Sam arrives with the beast, he accuses the robo the robo butler of foul play, but uh, Talbot sort of brushes him off. He explains that the uh, Killer beast, which is the beast that Sam's caught, is just a harmless monster from the uh, l- local, you know, zoo or the uh, the Munanimal Park. And hey, those robots probably, those knights probably just malfunctioned. Man, this is all coincidence. Yeah, totally. Just everything's fine. Uh, we need to get rid of this guy, boss. Yeah, He's give up really your investigation, Sam Slade. There's nothing to see here. The, uh, the Baron is, in fact, a little bit skeptical, but it just sends Sam to find out a new theory for the case. He does some more investigating, but Talbot has decided that Sam Slade has got to go. And then some more Scooby-Doo shit happens. Well, now it's super Scooby-Doo because uh, Slade and Stogie are investigating a room of a disappeared, uh, the room of a disappeared guest for clues. And there's a total like painting <laughs> where the eyes of the painting are following him around. And like Sam's going around the room, just sort of obliviously dodging secret traps and stuff. <laughs> It's really great. Uh, I, I'm i sad that they didn't do like a room-to-room like run thing in the whole comic. Very, very missed opportunity for sure. Yeah. So, so uh, Talbot and the Robo-Cook realize that Hoagie is, ha- is alive and escaped, so they drag the bodies of the guests to be processed, I guess. Meanwhile, Hoagie catches yeah. up with Sam. He explains the hidden doorway situation. The team goes to investigate, and Sam sees the cook and the butler are about to cut up some humans with big old knives! Dude, and they're like tiny pieces, man. Just cut them into tiny pieces. And I know That's... what you're thinking. You're thinking like pies, right? Yeesh. Sam interrupts. Um, he grabs the axe from Stogie's head and starts lopping off Robo heads, <laughs> the Which heads of the butler and stuff. Apparently, is the power center of this butler man. Like he does no, not do anything. The butler isn't killed. He's like he's his disembodied head just tells the cook that like the jig is up. You know, yeah. Like they're just regular like domestic bots that can't take on a Robo Hunter. Yeah. So. The jig is up, and so we figure things out. Uh, the butler and the cook were in cahoots to rob and kill the mansion guests. Then they uh, fed the bodies, leftover bodies, to the crow killer beast which, that would wander like, through the estates. Which, you know, I, like the whole time I thought the tie-in was going to be pies. 
because they even did like at the end he's like uh being offered pies by hogan he's like yeah i think it killed my appetite yeah you know well i think that like you know, yeah i think that they did a good job of making you worried that sam was eating human flesh so sort of sweet yeah. todd style but then basically saying no nah, no nah, we got this crocilla beast thing that he was eating all the bodies like yeah, of course these robots wouldn't just feed people to their guests and stuff that's pretty gross <laughs> That's very, uh, that reminds me of the robot that Rojas and Hammerstein got locked him in with. Or maybe yeah. it was just Rojas. Well, Turned I mean, people into meatballs. Definitely. I mean, you know, I feel like it's one of these English things where there's a fair amount of, like, uh, human based meat pie stuff just going on, like, in, like, British mythology or something like that, you know? I thought that you were just going to say in Britain there's a lot of cannibalism. I mean, I can't say that for sure. I'm just saying that, like, just as in America, summer camps, people get killed a lot. In England, <laughs> in English stories, people get made into pies a lot. That's my understanding of how it works. Huh. That's pretty true. Jason Voorhees is uh, is really just Sweeney Todd. The Sweeney Todd of America? Yeah. The Demon Butcher of Crystal Lake? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> great. Just just uh, holding up a bunch of uh, chainsaws like, these are my friends. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. Let's go to it. It's time for a new case, Fox. Oh, man. I mean, is it? I, it's hard to tell because everyone... <laughs> It's making it real hard to understand. Yeah, well, it's it's apparently part one of the Philby case, according to I'm like really the title excited. card. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Sam, so Sam Slade's busy just bouncing rent checks to his landlord at his Baker Street office, and then he gets visited by a couple of robot heavies, like just big square robots that punch him in the gut and tell him to stay off the Philby case. He's but he's like, not even on it fuck? yet. He's like, what the fuck? All right, whatever. Let's go. Yeah. Back at the con- back at the Savoy, Sam keeps his con about alien invaders going and keeps his presidential suite there. But then he gets grabbed up, um, by a bunch of like like men in black, like trench coat wearing like government droids that also tell him to stay off the case. It's like all right, great. And I like that their threat is like we we are uh, uh, licensed to uh, twist and noses off. Like that's yeah. their. That's their license. <laughs> Finally, uh, Sam gets grabbed off the street and dangled out the window of a hover car speeding through London by a gangster who wants Sam to take the case, but then tell him everything that he learns, you know, directly to the gangster instead of for, for some other reason. Which, like, holy God. Back at his office, Sam, who's just been, you know, <clears throat> been roughed up like three times today. She's she's pretty done with people walking in. Yeah, he's not taking any chances. So when some nerd dude walks through the front door, Sam just socks him right in the face. (laughs) It's a real warm welcome. Once he's knocked him down, Sam like interrogates him, like, "Who is? Who are you? What do you want?" And uh, you know, his name is Philby, and he's got a case for Sam. Aw, jeez, the Philby case begins. Aw, jeez, man, what's it gonna be about? Next time on Robo Hunter, Robo Goonie, Goonie Robo, Robo Robo, Goonie Goonie. <laughs> It'll uh, make sense at the time. That's my promise to you, Fox. <laughs> All right. Well, thank God. I I liked when he was being dangled out of the car that his uh, his text was also upside down. <laughs> totally. Yeah. This was some fun stuff. Just some yeah, some some, some Scooby Doo stuff at the to finish up the uh, Blackheart stuff, and then some interesting like you know just slapstick film noir things to start off this new case, which I think is 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 a really good uh, look for Robo Hunter. Like that's really where I want Robo Hunter to be. Like Sam, like slapstick noir is really like the key for Robo Hunter. I think. Right, like Bugs Bunny esque weird shit going on. I I gotta say I'm coming around to Hoagie a little bit. Nice. Like, I'm liking him. Uh, I mean, I I just love Robo Hunter. It's so yeah. silly. Definitely, yeah. And I think you know, like like um, Hoagie does a good job of sort of keeping things light, you know. And but also like you know, I don't know. I think he just is 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 a good foil for Sam. I think. Like yes, I'm I'm definitely excited for them to have some more adventures um, in here in Britsit, and I think and and we're gonna get that from Robo Hunter. Well, he's definitely no Walter, so. I mean, look, thank, thank, thank the robo, thank Robo Jesus, you know. But <laughs> every day, man, I'm all about that Robo yeah, J. Totally. But hey, speaking of um, 
I guess, guys that have died and come back to life in one form or another. Oh, be it man. As, as God or as biochips, it's thrill to Rogue Trooper. <laughs> I, you know, I think Jesus, if he ever comes back, would totally want to be a biochip. Or be blue. Uh, so script oh, robot, hell yeah. Script robot Jerry Findlay Day. Art robot Eric Bradbury. Cam Kennedy and Colin Wilson letting robot Bill Nuttall. So. How else are you going to know, really? Anyway. After a rousing death-themed version of, sa- of the song Satisfaction. Uh, yeah. Bagman, the biochip in Rogue's backpack, is getting pretty mouthy. Uh, perhaps. Bad news. Yeah, yeah, it's probably as a consequence of, the, uh, of getting damaged last episode. So uh, Rogue's worried about the chip, but he doesn't want to freak Bagman out. So instead, he makes his way to an area, it's like a desert area full of ash storms, pitches a tent, and does some maintenance on the chips. Hey, no problem. Who wants to go first? Oh, everybody except Bagman. He's, they're just following along with his idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, he does Gunner and Helm first to put to put Bagman at ease, though both checks take a lot of time. Rogue begins the check on Bagman and sees something wrong, but before he can do something about it, the tent is attacked by Stammo-riding North Desert Raiders! Damn you, Norts! I was helping my bud, and now my checking device is broken luckily bagman is packing some anti-stammel gas which instantly which, kills the mutant camel mounts of the norts is that remember when he was taking out all of his stuff was that one of the things i mean we only saw like about the first 30 30 or so things and i think he ended up with fair. like 50 so there's a bunch of stuff that we haven't seen yet well anti-stammel gas seems pretty important I love anti-stammel gas because it's just so like on uh, that one Batman movie where they had a uh, shark repellent just yes! sort of randomly in the uh, <laughs> in the in the they're utility like belt. They're flying above a helicopter and they're like uh, trying to kick it off, and uh, then they just spray the shark repellent. Well, but like also just in the Adam in an Adam West Batman movie, like they were getting attacked by sharks, and it's just like, oh yeah, like I got shark repellent, like whatever. Yes. <laughs> I just happen to have the perfect thing, you know. <laughs> Exactly. But so uh, the dismounted raiders come after Rogue with knives and swords and stuff, and he's able to take them out in hand-to-hand combat reasonably well. Rogue says that everything is fine, but in his mind, he lets us know that the protein base of Bagman's biochip is breaking down. It should be self-repairing, but if it isn't, it'd mean that Bagman's chip could wipe at any time, possibly when Rogue needs bad Bagman the most. Plus, he loses his friend. It's not so yeah. great. You know, you count on your friends, and sometimes, you know, he could die when he needs more stammel gas, buddy. You don't want to be in that situation. I never <laughs> want to be without my stammel gas. Yeah. That's a fact. So, <laughs> so that story was in Prague 262, and then Rogue took some time off, came back in Prague 265 with Jeez. the artist as uh, Cam Kennedy, who I like a lot. We last saw him working on the VCs in episode 51, so he's been out VCs. for like 30, pro- 30 episodes. Yeah. So, uh, totally, yeah. Kennedy's gonna do a lot of stuff here in Rogue Trooper until he eventually moves to Dread in like the mid, into like the mid to late eighties or so. But Jeez. here we get we. This story also features some of Rogue Trooper, some of my favorite Rogue Trooper supporting characters, Mister yeah. Bland and Brass, a they're pair. So great. Totally, yeah, they're just a pair of of uh, body looting black marketeers. They speak very superciliously, like one's sort of fat and short, one's tall and thin. They have these like kind of dome helmets that we wear hats on top of, and they're all about those credits. <laughs> That's sweet bowler domes. Love it, man. They we, we see them picking through a destroyed Souther convoy. They see a GI rifle buried in the sand, which is super expensive, so they really want to get it, but they can't pull it out, uh, even with robot assistance. And before so they much can, so the robot like short circuits and explodes. Totally. Before they can go further, the alarm sounds. There's military craft co- uh, coming. The looters hide in like a because their ship can like burrow into the sand or so something. It's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, it turns out that it's a bunch of Norts, and uh, Rogue reveals himself as being buried under the sand, just sort of playing possum while the uh, looters try to grab his stuff, <laughs> and then he kills like. Six Norts and destroys other vehicles and stuff. It's really, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's awesome because after the fight, the looters reappear and they have like these like pennants and flags because they assume the Norts ones. They're like, go Norts, woo. But then, <laughs> and they're like, oh shit, they we see, need the other flags. When they see Rogue One, they just swap out all their flags and stuff. It's pretty great. 
Um, Rogue's going on his way, though. He doesn't care about these looters. But they see him, and they know that basically if he dies, like his all his gear, even like his body and stuff, is just a huge, a huge treasure trove. Like he, they see him just because he comes a walking dollar sign, literally yeah. in the pages. So weird. So they decide we'll follow this guy along and just you know whatever. If he happens to catch a stray bullet and we can make money off of that, then so much the better. Oh, uh, hooray! It's will be filthy rich from exactly. just one corpse. Yeah. So next up, a report goes out across Souther Airwaves. The Dixie Front, that's D-I-X-Dash-I, has been quiet yeah. for a whole year. So Millicom is announcing a general amnesty. Like if you're a deserter, come on in and you'll be pardoned. Hooray! Let's go have a party in uh, New Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Rogue's interest is peaked because he figures if he can get pardoned for deserting, then he can really begin his hunt for the traitor general in earnest. Mm. Over the fearful objections of Bagman, Rogue and the chips head in. He strolls through a uh, checkpoint and is taken into the domed city of New Atlanta to be decontaminated, where he meets the chem nurse, Sister Sledge, a dame. Ooh, yeah. Oh man, she sounds cute. I'm a, I'm a microchip. Hey man, you know. I mean, here here in New Earth, you know, they got stammels, they got guns, but you know what they don't got? They don't have fun, because there's nothing like a Dame Fox. Nothing um, like, wow, also a lot space of, babes. A lot of songs this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rogue begins the, the decontamination process, but through a window, he sees a medic pouring something into the Dixie oxygen supply. He's a filth columnist! Which, uh... <laughs> I like it. Filth columnist is a play on words from fifth columnist, which is like a term for, you know, like a a traitor in your ranks or whatever Mm. from the Spanish Civil War. Um, Rogue runs to stop the saboteur and goes to raise the alarm. He knows something big is happening in Dixie. Meanwhile, a Nort uh, command ship, we see that this is true, and soon all of Dixie will be overrun. Oh, man. This ain't great. Mm -mm. Next time. Have a nice death. (laughs) I was so genteel. Well, you know, I kind of imagine that, you know, even if they aren't really going crazy with it, that uh, Dixie has kind of a southern accent, you know? Of course. It's funny because when they say northers and southers, I sort of assume that it is um, civil, you know, American Civil War based. But, you know, since the Norts are so obviously like like uh, Nazis and stuff, like, I guess I guess that just makes all the south all of America, you know, or something <laughs> like that along those lines. And what, I, I mean, I'd love a general map of, like, what this planet is divided into, but... Yeah, planetary map of New, of New Earth sounds like something that's interesting and something we, we, we might not get for a little while, I gotta say. But hey, Fox. Hey, Conrad. Speaking of planet-spanning wars... Oh, fuck. It's Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. It's real good, real fucking good, real fucking good. Mm-hmm. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant's TV Grover. Art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Tom Frame. And guess what? Tom Frame, love you, Tommy. Tommy Frame. Mm-hmm. So Judge Dread Fox has assassinated Chief Judge Griffin on live television and then <laughs> shot himself like in the heart. <laughs> Cheese and crackers, buddy. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, watching this, so uh, uh, Walter and Maria watching this on its view screen, resolve to get revenge no. on the Sov block. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Sovs are dragging Dredd's body to the morgue, where he suddenly comes awake and starts killing dudes. I'm gonna grab your neck and then squeeze your throat until you die. Throw a dagger at your throat. I'm really into throwing throats. Meanwhile, Walter and Mawia have stolen a transport and are making their way to the Grand Hall of Justice as Mawia flies Sovs with her cooking laser. Laser's hard to say. Um, Isaac's (laughs) Kazan's right-hand man tries to spin the situation as okay, like Griffin's dead, but hey, so is Dredd, right? Yeah, I mean, Now he's in in trouble because, yeah, because Dredd is definitely not dead. (laughs) So so what is dieharding in a museum? That's a good question. Um, I mean, dieharding in a police station is sort of uh, assault on precinct 13 yeah. I guess. that's all right. <laughs> I, I accept it. Um, 
So we, a hobbling dread thinks back to, the, to last episode when he requested that Judge Teep doctor a bullet to only penetrate an inch of flesh so it let I'm him sure fake the suicide. I mean, but, yeah, who knows? It just, whatever. Let him shoot himself and he's basically okay, but sort of under, under physical stress. Yeah, all right. He, uh, he tries to escape via the Judge Fargo tunnel, but is too weak to lift the plinth. Instead, he's pinned down, unable to escape. He's running low on bullets um, fi- as he fires sloth like ricochets and stuff to take down. Judge is trying to get after him, so he switches to incendiary and starts burning the place down. Just take it with him. All the while without his helmet, so you don't actually see his face. Mm-hmm. This looks like the end until Walter shows up to save him. Boo, oh, Walter! Oh. I mean, hooray, Judge Dredd's alive. Boo, Walter being the savior. Exactly. Uh, Could have been Judge re- Giant. <laughs> totally. Dwed recovers from the fire and punches out Maria to uh, quell her block mania for a bit. Which... Damn, knuckle sandwich right to his landlady. Hey, listen, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. The trio escapes into the tunnel as the Hall of Justice burns. There's no justice left there. It's real intense. Everything's on fire. Is there anything of this fucking city left? No, man. Hey, so it's day eight of the Apocalypse War. Holy shit. Yeah. I can't believe it's just been a week. But we see a mass migration of Mega City One citizens into the cursed earth. Almost 27 million people head out in a massive wave into that forsaken land. Which, I mean, doesn't seem super safe. What was the, I mean, I guess you don't want to get nuclear bombed and set on fire and instead. Yeah, I mean, it's no, it's no, yeah, it's, it's no more safe than the city where there's hurricanes and literal nukes falling on you. you Yeah. Yeah. Um, one judge asks if they should stop him, and Dredd says, like, do what you want, but he's got bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. In a flashback, we see Dredd get bandaged up as Maria is cured of block mania, and Mad Dog Kazan has the surviving East Med judges sent to Siberia without winter clothing, while his former right-hand judge, Isaacs, is broken down to a cadet. Just killing and degrading more and more of his people. Yep. A hurricane breaks out over Mega City 1, battering the beleaguered city even more. Dredd manages to get in video contact with both Mega City 2 and Texas City and ask for aid, and they're unable to provide it. Yeah, screw those guys. Not just unable, they're just like, uh, we're not gonna... I mean, we're just gonna use this extra time to prepare for their invasions against us. It's like, all right, guys. Yeah, screw you guys. You'll you'll get yours eventually. Um, So, with no aid coming and everybody in real trouble, Fox, is it time to surrender? Oh, hell no. Call hell the fucking no. uh, Justice Squad. Mm-hmm. Dredd gets a printout of all the surviving judges and calls in top, top, or, or top guys from across the city, including guys like Ox, Quan, Costa, and Judge by God Hershey, who <laughs> all converge on Dredd, as does J- Judge Anderson, because you never Ooh. know when you need a psychic. Which, uh, I mean, in the next uh, couple comics... She definitely really proved her worth. Handy. Yeah. Yeah. As the storm dies out, the nine judges set, uh, get on their bikes and uh, and get going. Dredd hasn't told them, but Anderson knows they're on their way to wipe out East Meg One. I mean, sometimes you just gotta blow up the city. What's blowing you up? <sighs> gotta. There's an East Meg Strato V moored to the ground. That was, that, that was moored to the ground during the hurricane, and it's the perfect vehicle for Dredd and his team of judge commandos. They kill the ground crew, make their way into the ship, gasking and gunning, and gunning down crewmen as they go. They are executive decisioning their way through this plane. Uh, ah. <laughs> Anderson, yeah, boy. Anderson does mind scans to gather intelligence about the rest of the, uh, of the, of the ship as the judges uh, kill everybody. Soon, the rest of the crew is dead, and the judges take the cockpit, leaving only the pilot, whose codes are taken by Anderson. The... Oof. Strato V takes off with the judges in control. The pilot dumped from 5,000 feet up. Set course for East Meg 1. I like the, the lead up to like throwing the dude out. It was like, hey, like Ox is releasing the, the old pilot. And they're like, they're releasing him. That's crazy. And it's like, don't worry. They're doing it at 5,000 feet. It's like, <laughs> oh, 
That's horrible. Such a horrible way to go. Hey, whatever, man. How many how many millions of people just have died in Mega City One because of well, these I mean, guys? That thing definitely launched a nuclear missile. Yeah. So whatever. The judges Strato V bear down on the on a saw missile silo and fires a twister, which is a drill bomb that travels through the ground and into the uh, next to the silo. And Eventually, into Bathhouse. Yeah, crashing through the soft sidewalls of the silo and landing into a, a pool, but not exploding. Sob's strato Vs respond and blow up the one stolen by the judges, but Dredd's team is already bailed out using grav shoots. The plan is this. The judges will use lasers to bore a tunnel through the sand, melting into glass, so a crazy glass tunnel. They'll meet the twister tunnel and follow that into the silo. It's hot work, Fox. Um, oh, but, God. And as they tunnel, the Sovs are trying to disarm the Twister before it blows. Which has been rigged by them in, like, super special ways. They're like, oh, fuck. Like, this is going to take a minute. Totally, yeah. So, they mean, so it's full of Tembler devices that keep them from, like, messing with the actual thing. So that takes a ton of time. Um, the Sovs finally, though, realize that the bomb wasn't even primed and it was never going to explode. But as they figure this out, Dredd and his team arrive at the tunnel en- entrance. It's Sov Judge fighting time. What up, guys? We're here to shoot a lot of you to death, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Dredd and the team burst into the missile silo, gun blazing. Once the Sovs here are taken out, Judge Morant, a fluent Sov speaker, orders the emergency power shutdown. And under cover of darkness, the judges fan out and take down any soft judge they encounter with silenced lawgivers. They rappel down elevator shafts and slowly make their way deep into the missile complex. Finally, uh, after they real they 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 get to the the uh, op center, and when they can't cut through like the tough concrete <laughs> that uh, surrounds it, they just sort of so knock great. on the door and get let in. You know? Yeah, they're like, "Oh, let's knock." Then and he's like, "Oh, what's up?" And he just gets shot in the face. It's mm-hmm. great. Anderson mind scans the silo's launch codes out of the uh, silo commander. And Dredd makes the order to fire 20 TADs, that's total annihilation devices, at East Meg 1. Guess that's Uh, one way to do it, man. Dredd takes responsibility to press the button himself to destroy uh, East Meg 1 as a soft judge begs Dredd to have mercy on the half a billion human beings that live in that city. Hey, man, I didn't see them uh, listening to us. There is no mercy within Judge Dredd. Request denied! So great, and he just presses the fucking button. Dredd presses the button, and the bloody fist of justice is on its way to East Meg 1. Next episode, The Big Bang Theory. (laughs) Not the television show. I mean, that won't exist for another 30 years, I think. Oh my god, that's nuts. Or like 35 even, because it's like 1982, you know? That's really fair, yeah. Yeah, you gotta think about it. Uh, man. But man, this was awesome, uh, Judge Dredd stuff, man. Just everybody, you know, you got the team, You we see a couple of the judges that we've seen before that we really like, like Anderson and Hershey and all those guys. Yep. Just everybody doing their best, just killing tons of dudes, and then setting up killing even like just a terrifying amount of dudes. This <laughs> um this action by Dread is gonna of course have echoes through the rest of the you know, through the character's whole lifetime, basically. Really? I mean, Man, you know yeah, you I mean, press it the is button genocide, right? Like I mean you kill like five hundred million people with the press of a button, you know that's gonna have some that's gonna do something. You, you would know? hope so. It's not a game of Civ Five or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Man, so good. But let's let's cool out from that um, high stress situation, Fox, with some non thrills, covers, and nerve center. <laughs> oh man, I like some of these covers in a big way. There's some good ones, man. In two, Prague Two Sixty Two, it's the first of many Judge Dread badge covers. This one mm. with a hole in it is Dread Dead. Mm. No, there's a uh, there's a yeah, there's a half page, the half size nerve center this week with a space taken up by one of these half page candy ads featuring campily drawn, big headed people doing silly candy things like Mr. Bellamy candy. I don't, I don't like these Fox very much. No, at all. they're very, they're really weird and yeah. and like uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Tharg, master of the world, lets us know that Rogue Trooper's going to take some time off, but he'll be back. You know, he was back by the end of the episode for the for for a Dixie action, so don't worry about it. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, What's one let, or two weeks? Yeah, totally. Letters are about people eating food while reading 2000 AD. I, and, and this prog ends with the third page of the fifth anniversary Total War poster. This time with a big panel that's just Rogue Trooper heading off to battle. Hell yeah, man. I don't know, dude. Like, I don't eat above my computer, right? Like, I feel like it's the same. You should be careful about it, man. Like, you know. Yeah, especially because especially... I think if you get these, like... Like the newsprint of these progs, if you get them wet, like it's just going to be real messed up, you know. <laughs> like it's done. never going to be, it's never going to fix itself. Uh, prog two sixty three, the Robo Hunter at bay. Sam Slade comes face to face with that. Uh, what you call it? The big monster from the Blackheart story. Yeah, exactly. It's just looking real freaked out as a monster rips open a cage. Mm-hmm. In the nerve center, Tharg the Feek lets yeah. us know that we're getting that uh, they're getting a ton of letters about the Apocalypse War story, including some sweet fan art. Awesome. Like, the big question on everybody's letter writing seems to be if this is the the doom that Judge Faye predicted at the start of the Judge Child story. Oh, interesting. And the answer is that, nah, man, that's not going to be till, uh, for 16 years. So, you know, check oh. back in 1998, basically. We'll be there. You'll see. Um, <laughs> the 90s happened, and I'm so sorry. Oh, man. Another reader is stoked to uh, share a name with the heroic Judge Suster, And a third wants to know what where Britain is during all this. And, like, the honest answer is that 2008 doesn't know what's going on in uh, Britain at this point. In, um, yeah. In Judge Dredd stuff. But we see it in the future. Yeah, we'll we'll get Britsit eventually. Mid prog, yeah, mid prog. There's a bunch of pictures uh, celebrating the fifth anniversary. Um, my fave for sure is by David Leach of Ealing, London, who draws three pictures. Um, one oh, yeah. of 2080 from 1977 with the launch 2080 cast. Then from 1982 with the current cast, and then one from 2027 where, where <laughs> everyone's all old and in wheelchairs and stuff. Fair. Yeah, we got to see who's actually in there when we finally finish this uh, goddamn podcast, which may in fact be in 2027. Weirdest <laughs> award to me goes to like uh, MD uh, Bannister, mm-hmm. like the one where Tharg's just like I don't, he's either sucking them in or blowing on all of the characters. Oh yeah, yeah, that's weird. There's some weird ones. I'm not gonna lie to you. They're guns. Like I don't mm-hmm. know. Who knows? This one ends with the final image from the Total War posters. We see the brave Southard troops giving their all against that North Nort menace. Do what you can and see a lot of weird shit. Mm-hmm. Don't get your helmet broken. <laughs> Seems to be the, the general thing that happens to you. Absolutely. Yeah. In 264, die, knave! A robo-knight bears down on Sam Slade. In uh in the nerve center, there's a nice pi- there's a nice rogue trooper picture and a ton of kids ratting on Con Burns for passing off that that Rush song, The Twilight Zone, as his own oh, in Prague 258. Like really? I said last episode, it's a goddamn scandal. That's great. Fuck. Like the whole the whole nerve center is just kids ratting this guy out. <laughs> That's great. Who'd have imagined that um a bunch of kids read or. Everyone reading 2080 would also be Rush fans. Like, who, you know, this is a revolt in development. I mean, I guess, I mean, Rush was a pretty big deal. Mm hmm. So, mid prog, there's a feature on GBH asking what those letters stand for. I think I skipped it in a previous episode, but someone else suggested they stood for grievous bodily harm, which I think is right. But other people suggest, oh. like, a galactic bonehead or a Greek nixable blundering horror. Whoa. <laughs> And yeah, there's some pretty good fan art of that big haired Biffo. There's also yeah, an ad for the glorious hair. So nice. There's also an ad for the sci-fi special, which we of course already covered. Thank you very much. And then there's a feature on the music group uh, Pizanergi 2, mm. who have made a song called Mega City 3 in homage to a 2080. And it's kind of like a, a new wavy, like you know, proto synth poppy kind of song, I guess, kind of upbeat, really? a lot of synthesizers. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Let's take a look at it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm probably playing it at this point in the, song, in the, uh, in the podcast, honestly. <laughs> oh, man. Like, listen to that tune. It's yeah. got uh, synthetics. And the I'd picture's like full of, like, you know, it's got, like, a mini interview and pictures of the band with Judge Dredd and stuff like that. It's fine. Um, we also check in with Alan Fosbury, who... Uh, won that giant Future Worlds posters in Prague 215, and I'm just super jealous of him because that is an awesome poster. 
It's a pretty great poster. Totally. This prog ends with a color page of galactic greetings for the fifth anniversary of 2000 AD. It's neat to see who people's fave characters are. Like, we see a lot of, like, GBH as well as, like, Rogue Trooper and Dread and stuff. As well as a surprising amount of Matt Talon, I must say. Uh, sociopaths are everywhere, man. Mm-hmm. In 266, well, I, um, in, it, it, sorry, in 265, Iscara draws Dread standing against a fiery cityscape. But the real star of this cover is the free piece of bubblicious gum that comes with the prog. It's cola-flavored, which is not oh. a standard gum flavor here in the United States, just for the record. That does not sound appetizing. Also, I'm not a fan of this Ewan flavor, Fox. I don't like it very much at all. Man, you know? they are everywhere in where O's exist, buddy. It's true. Yeah. In the, uh, in the Nerf Center, there's a printing error making the Nerf Center illegible this week. Yeah. Um, luckily, they printed the Nerve Center with the gum that came packaged with the episode. And you can read it, the, uh, the editorial on Barney, if you really want to. It's mostly just sort of explaining that gum exists and something you should try. And, <laughs> saying, and apologizing to international readers saying that they don't get gum. Oh. Uh, letters include a 2080 alphabet, a super simple Tharg the Mighty program in BASIC. <laughs> like if you're in your computer class, I guess. There you go. And then there's a poem to dash decent, deep sense of whatever. <laughs> At the end of this prog, there's another letter asking if the Apocalypse War is related to, ju- to, to the Judge Child. And no, man, like, get out of here with this. Then on the back cover, there's some color uh, pictures of undesirable alien beings that are all pretty good. But I like the uh, Saturnian Sky Whale and the Gauntlet Knight best. Strong agree. Like, there's good, good kid drawings of ones. Honestly, yeah. the, glove, the Gauntlet Knight might be traced from something, but who's to say? No. Nope. Uh, in 266, Sam is dragged out of a hover car in the third Robo Hunter cover by Ian Gibson this month. Just a lot of Robo Hunter here. They're trying to raise Robo Hunter awareness real high. There's also also yeah, man, you can win a Super Sansui Hi-Fi system. I want I want that. Totally, man. Yeah, in the Nerve Center, uh, GB Tharg apologizes for the prog going up uh, in price by one pence for Irish readers. Letters oh. ask about discrepancies between future CB lingo and current CB lingo. And yeah, there's a contest for um, iFi system, man. It's got That's a turntable. It's got a cassiever, which I believe is a, a cassette tape radio combo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's a spot the difference thing. You just got to, you know, it's an image of a Walter's clothes wearing brother, as I recall. Yep. Yeah, good times. Win that hi fi, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to send it in immediately. Do it. <laughs> but hey, speaking of um, advanced treasures from the past, Fox. Oh, fuck. It's time for Thrill 4 Ace Trucking Co. So script robot for Ace Trucking, Alan Grant and John Wagner as Grant Grover, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, learning robot Steve Potter. <laughs> so, the Ace Trucking team is trying to salvage the treasure ship, the Blue Maru. But as the Speedo Ghost realizes that the Maru is going in the wrong direction, the boys have spotted a possible living crew member aboard. Man, we gotta get that sucker. Yeah, a living crew member would ruin their salvage claims. So we gotta go. <laughs> uh... GBH hurls Feek at the fleeing weirdo, and Ace tries to follow him across a, sh- a swinging chandelier, which he then shoots down and knocks the crewman out. Hey, yeah, man, sometimes you just gotta shoot at a guy, I guess. Yep. Who is this weirdo? I mean, well, and also, I guess, who cares? When he comes around, he's clearly crazy with the, abu de- with the abadabu, which is isolation yep. syndrome, which means that you- we can still salvage the ship. He's crazy, it's ours. Exactly. The crew celebrates with more first-rate food from the ship's computer. The ghost finally gets through to Ace, who dismisses the ship's concerns. Uh, then the crew starts to get really crazy and food-fighty, which doesn't seem good. <laughs> I mean, and everybody's laughing and getting really... It's just, like, really yeah. weird. They're at, like, high-level, like, constant giddy laughter levels of insanity. Um <laughs> Yeah. Eventually, though, after eating some more ship's food, they actually manage to realize that they're get, that they're getting pretty crazy. So, like, yeah. Catch-22 is in effect, I guess. <laughs> so they decide to further investigate the ship, go into the cargo hold that they previously, previously couldn't open. 
After a couple headbutts and some attempts to bust open the door via hardcore cricket playing as and sort of feek careened around the ship in a sledge drawn by talking rats. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that was my favorite part. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the ship crew member, that's all crazy, managed to find a button that opens the hold to reveal a whole bunch of space truckers frozen in giant clear cubes. Jig, Jig my, my rig. rig. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, GVH even recognizes some of the guys that are that are frozen. It's very weird, but then suddenly Ace understands all these riggers were on this ship, and they got trapped in these cubes, and now the Ace Trucking Co. guys are next. <laughs> uh, let's have a good old chuckle about it, I guess. Yeah. As the crew laughs at these ominous cubes of frozen luggers, the ghost takes action. By the Dis- way, my, my favorite uh, guy in frozen plasticine is the dude who... Regular body, but he has a turtle, like a full-size turtle for a head. Like, its head can retract, its arms totally. can retract into its body. It's the weirdest alien I've There's seen. There's some real drawn. awesome Bellardinelli aliens frozen in these cubes, and they're all sort of like mid-laugh like laugh or scream or just like in, in motion as they're frozen, which I think is really neat. And creepy. Oh, also creepy, of course. So uh, the ghost takes action, sends a squadron of scrubber bots to the Blue Maru to investigate. Meanwhile, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Ace, through his craziness, tries to reason through this situation. He yeah. uh, blames the sentient rats infesting the ship, but Feek says that the rats told him that it was definitely the crazy crew member. He just hadn't a chance to mention it to Ace. <laughs> <laughs> Which really does seem somewhat important, but I mean, I guess also, who cares? Let's. I mean, let's have when some you've fun. yeah, when you've gone space, when you've gone Abu Dhabi from the uh, space, whatever, like you know, it's hard to prioritize important information, you know. From space, whatever. It's my yeah. favorite. Well, they're about to explain it. I don't. I don't want to get ahead of it, you know. But yeah, um, the crewman reveals himself. His name is Spawny Plaque, and he's both. Um, not crazy, and he's driving the uh, Ace Trucking Boys insane. <laughs> oh my god. So, since it's going pretty well, it's time to explain his backstory, of course, as you do when you're evil. <laughs> yeah, it's time to just go on a long monologue. Yeah, he used to be a space trucker himself, but everybody hated him, so the Trucker's Guild kicked him out. <laughs> he was forced to just wander aimlessly through the space lanes until he went abadabu from loneliness. And I'd have just taken some communication courses or something like that. You know, I guess Dale Carnegie has not found his way to uh, Ace Trucking Co. Boom. Um, at this point, the ship was captured by a bunch of awesome space pirates. <laughs> they kept him around for fun. Then one day, the pirates found a crate of something called Hebels. When Spawny yeah. ate it, he regained sanity. And when the pirates ate it, they all went Abu Dhabi right away. So... Observing this, Spawny formed a plan for revenge. Wanna So the Ace Trucking team continues to go mad, like Ace riding around on GBH's back as like feek like and fishes in the great. air, basically. Catching people on the neck. Mm-hmm. And Spawny continues his story. After the pirates went Abu Dhabi, he spaced them and then began his quest to get revenge on all space truckers. Using the Blue Maru's treasure as bait, he just drifted around, luring luggers aboard, driving them mad with Hebel-dosed foods, then trapping them in plastine cubes. But as our buddies are being put into cubes, the ghost scrubber bots arrive. They steal the cube that contains Ace and make their way to the airlock as the ghost itself provides a diversion. Ace's body returns to the ghost and the ship wonders about its next moves. So bizarre. It's just they just shoot him through space. It's the whole awesome. thing is pretty awesome. Yeah, back aboard the ghost, Ace is unfrozen as the ship works on an Hebel antidote as Spawny activates the <laughs> weapons of the Blue Maru. He goes straight to the boom 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 button as opposed to just yeah. the boom and the boom boom buttons. <laughs> seems like that's the one that does the most damage. It's true. Yeah, well, you know, you, you gotta do the right tool for the job, you know? The, the ghost is able to, to uh, take out the ship's, the uh, Blue Maru's solar sails and inject a Hebel into d- antidote into Ace's behind. He uh, quickly <laughs> regains his sanity. Looks terrible. <laughs> and he's pissed. 
He grabs a ton of weapons and heads back to the Blue Maru, blasting as he goes. He takes down Spawn easily and then kicks the crap out of him with his bare hands. Now it's time to uncube his buddies and let the real beatings begin. Oh, yeah, boy. You thought that was bad. Next episode, Spawny Gawny. Man, oh, man. Hijinks abound, buddy. Some good hijinks and fun in Ace Trucking this week, man. You know, just getting crazy, literally, and then, you know, fixing it and then beating dudes up. What's not to like? My favorite part was GBH eating a giant plate of pasta. Like, just slurping up what looked like a gallon of pasta. (laughs) That's fair. And, hey, speaking of uh, beating dudes up, Fox, it's 305 Mean Arena. Man, time to see uh, what old Talon will do this time to kill some people. Yep, script robot out A. Ridgeway, art robot Mike White, lighting robot Peter Knight. So, Matt Talon, he's on his own, looking for the ball carrier of the Allerton Ants. When a chance to stop the carrier, the carrier via and, sorry, and when a chance to stop the carrier via the use of his blast master fails, Talon finds himself without any options to stop the ants until a, the new player Brazen shows up, and she's got a bunch of those beloved limpet mines that we love so much about Mean Arena, and they bring down a house. <laughs> the uh, the pairs continue into a cemetery, and we learn that you can't touch street football players when they're yeah. on hollowed ground, like Highlander, basically. <laughs> yeah, it seems kind of, like, arbitrary, but also... Uh... This is maybe the coolest thing I've learned about the world of street football. Yeah, because this the is the cemetery not... part, but the android cemetery. Yeah, it, this isn't a normal cemetery. It's an android cemetery for weirdos who really love their robots and can't bear to uh, throw them out when they break down. Which, of course, then leads to robo cemetery grave robbers like <laughs> taking spare parts from the buried robots. Dude, it's real bad. It's like. Over five panels, like, yeah, it's an android cemetery. Look at all these bad things. Also, it spawned a completely new system of thievery. (laughs) So, Talon sees something in the cemetery. Is it the allergen ball carrier? Nope. It's an attack by robot zombies! Which, oh man, I never thought that would be a thing. But now that I know it's a thing, I'm kind of into robot zombies. Yeah, not just robot zombies, but uh, some kind of robot dude playing an organ. Yeah, musical accompaniment to the Robo Zombie attack. So God, you're weird sometimes, Meanery. <laughs> Talon goes for his Blastmaster, gets knocked down. Instead, he's got to pick up a gravestone and just start smashing robot zombies with it. Which, damn, like gravestones are not—they're heavy, man. Mm-hmm. It's no use though. His mad is soon swarmed by the droids until the cavalry arrives. Uh, Rick at Rick. Rick, whatever, and Napoleon Jones show up with their last sticks and start blasting zombies. Rick Rogan. Uh, and they start blasting zombies. The organist tries to run but gets caught by the whip of uh, Hangman, one of the other players, who pulls him off the side of a building and uh, kills him. So good times. And uh. then they're just like hand wave, oh, well, don't take off his hat. We'll come back for that later. And I'm yeah. like, well, what the fuck? Well, because the game's want. still on, Fox, man. The uh, the ants are going for the score. It's just the goalie, Sourpuss, guarding the goal from, like, five different ants, guys. Yeah, it ain't good. And apparently there are different points depending on how high up you go. Yeah, the, the goal thing is sort of a combination of an ant mound and, like, a skee-ball kind of thing. <laughs> so... I like that. If only you had to throw them like skee-balls. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. The ants are going for, like, the 10.1 and manage to score just as Talon arrives. Uh, they have 10 minutes to try to win the game. They're two men down from the ants by the attacks. Talon's pissed, and he gets on TV and says, if these Hexa gang guys want to come after him, that he'll return the favor. Revenge is back on. Oh, yeah, man. Going to yell at this television, make people real scared. Because mm-hmm. I'm a murderer. <laughs> The game resumes at limited time. The Slayers move fast, rushing across the course, trying desperately to score. But as Talon climbs the mound thing, the final gun goes off. Slayers lose. Yeah. And then some inexplicable shit happens. So I I get why Rolo Hardy would be pretty pissed that the team he's backing is lost. They've won every game. Yeah. I mean, They've you won can't... every single game. And everyone's like, oh, fuck you guys. It's like, man, if a if a team is winning every game and they lose one game, no one's going to hate your guts. They're just going to be sad. It's very sort of a col- 
um, American college football kind of thing, where if you lose one, you've really messed up your chances of getting to like a bowl game or something like that. Because, yeah, after this game, uh, wheelchair-bound Cyber Goblin Rolo Hardy calls up the team owner and says that he only backs winners. Everybody has to pay for it. Yeah, I've got an idea, and you're going to have to do it, and I'm going to be weird, and you meet me at the compound. Mm-hmm. The Slayers head home, but not before Talon blames the loss uh, but, uh, on, the, on, this, on that assassination attempt by Robot. <laughs> and kind of is like, hey, who are these ant guys anyway? Because they led me into the tower, those sneaky pricks. Yeah. Which, uh, which then it turns into an all-out brawl. Yeah, the ants tank umbrage at being accused of attempted robot zombie murder, and a post-game brawl breaks out. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. The Slayers win this match at least, but it's cold comfort when they return to Reading and have to face Rolo. He comes rolling out and explains that because his public image is messed up by Slayer's loss, they're going to have to play a challenge match against a mystery opponent for a million pounds, winner take all. God. If they're going to win, they're going to need some help in the form of a dude who's leaping from a fourth floor window. The badass. What's the name? Wolf Rocker. God, it's just like, you know... My last name was Rocker, and I named my kid Wolf. That kid better come out of the fucking womb with a motorcycle and, like, a cigarette and, like, giving you a wink. And then also, uh, I don't know, some patriotic flag of which you prescribe. I mean, you know, it seems reasonable, man. I mean, for someone named named Fox, a kid named Wolf seems, like, right up your alley, honestly. I'm just saying. Like, that kid. Oh, man, I'll just change my name to Rocker. <laughs> get, get, get on it. <laughs> So yeah, so Wolf is is wearing all the latest gear, boots that let you fall safely from high distances, body armor that is both super protective, but is also super form-fitting, so you can show off your muscles and your boss chest hair, and he can kick the crap out of like five robo-plastic droids, all uh, practice droid all, all at once. It's very bizarre. As uh, Wolf fights the bots, Hardy explains the Slayer's next match. It'll be against one of three teams and will be the hardest, weirdest, and most terrifying game they've ever played. After practice, Talon decides to follow Brazen home, accompanied by Chip, his robo-bodyguard, in the form of a nine-year-old boy who's Uh, back to protect him because the revenge is back on. It's so weird. It's not inconspicuous for him to just have a nine-year-old kid with him at all times. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) He's got a shirt that just says rock on. Anyhow, let's follow this chick. Next episode, Street Search. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, he's back and he's murdering, Conrad. Always a good time for future revenge, Fox. That's what I say. And hey, speaking of zombies, Fox. Oh, God. It's Thrill 6 Future Shocks. So, uh, three, so two Future Shocks this month, or I guess three, but one's a two-parter. First, it's Alec Trench Zombie. Uh, script robot Tharg, or the mighty one, I guess. Art robot Ron Smith, letting robot Tony J. Okay, Fox. Oh, man. Hey, Let's... do you know what I love? It's a uh, good old-fashioned Frankenstein. That's right. But first, let's jump slightly into the future to February 1986, when oh. Haley's Comet will be streaking across the sky as it does every 76 years. Whoa, it's so big. While others are looking at the comet, foppish dandy, a, sorry, a foppish dandy and his hunchback assistants are grave robbing. That's a really good way to put him. He's got like this massive pointy collar and mm-hmm. like little cane that he's like, look at this. Oh, we'll stop here. Alec Trench, you don't know who that is. Let's dig his ass up. Yeah, Alec Trench will, of course, remember is the failed sci-fi author who murdered aliens and then fell to his death way back in Prague 102, episode 31. They're going to bring him back to life and finally make good the work of the foppish dandy's dumb ancestor, the first Baron Frankenstein. This new Baron has a crazy polka dot helmet and it can remote control summon the dead from their graves. Alec Trench lives again. Oh, man. Come on, my armies of the dead. Let's make this shit happen. Yeah, that's just the start of it, of course, because Frankenstein raises a ton of zombies and sends them out into the night. Constable McNabb, on patrol, goes to investigate and reports that in the zombie apocalypse, though he's not believed, a huge zombie army advances on the Houses of Parliament as the police force organizes. Will Alec Trench help destroy the world? Uh, Probably. 
Yeah, next Prague, these zombies are shown down against the cops, and it's not going well for the cops. These zombies yeah. continue to pour out of cemeteries, and the cops are overwhelmed until they start blasting everybody with water cannons, which dazes Baron Frankenstein. Yeah. A police helicopter grabs Frankenstein, uh, and as he gets as he moves away from the zo- from the zombies, his psychic helmet like loses control until the helmet comes so loose from sorry. Frankenstein's head, lands on the head of Alec Trench, and then apparently, just as Frankenstein's mental energy is lo- has caused the dead to come back to life. I guess the dead can do it also. Yeah, the helmet on Trench causes him to just start shooting huge blasts of instant death. That just He's just wandering around London disintegrating people. Jeez. And uh, and that's the end of the story, I guess? Yeah, like, uh, good. Trench's zombie bomb body will just wander around killing everyone and everything it comes across until Haley's Comet leaves. It this seems, is a dark story. <laughs> yeah, it's like so, so bizarrely placed inside, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tharg just sort of like, all right, like, you know, enjoy the comet, kids. <laughs> yeah, this one's about the extinction of the human race for a little while. At least in London town. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, yes. they've already got the Midlands blown up and shit. I mean, well, that was an invasion, you know. Um, that's 1989. <laughs> so... <laughs> The, the, the next feature shock is Return of the Thing. Script uh-huh. robot Alan Moore, art robot Dave Gibbons, letting robot Tony Jacob. Just a little two-pager here. Um, My favorite kind. Yeah, a space monster arrives and looms over a terrified futuristic housewife. But it turns out that it's just her husband, and she wanted to have dinner on the table when, she, when he got home. And she was just able to, thanks to the easy, high-speed thermonuclear pressure cooker. Yeah, of course, man. Like you need one in every home, and realistically, you know, you just you're, you're trying to be a good wife to your uh, workaday husband. He's having a rough time, being like all goopy and gross. Uh, yeah. Why not? She was have a, she, yeah, she was a little more terrified of not having dinner on the table in time than I'd kind of like, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some undertones here, but you know, that's uh, that's what good writing is: terrifying. I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend this future shock. I'm just making words come out of my mouth. And with that, Fox, we finished the thrills for this May of 1982. Oh God! And so the only question remains, Fox: What were your top and bottom thrills? Bro, this is so easy. It's Judge Dredd is totes top. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. So fucking good. Uh, I know we spoke a little bit about this last week. I'm really excited for him going uh, deep into to East Meg. What is uh, what the fuck am I trying to say? What is what is Die Hard in a City if not Escape from New York, which is a hundred percent of what I love. I mean, I guess he's going into it to explode it, but you know, whatever. Like, yeah, some snake. This is amazing. Like. I I love that he's got a team assembled. I love that he's chosen specific people. They're already paying off. Like he's got a muscle guy, which is uh, Ox. Yeah, Ox. I think Ox. And then uh, there's a dude who speaks like perfect yeah. uh, Sov. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know the ladies, uh, Hershey, who's just kind of a badass. Uh, like it's just it's working out really well. Um, I'm excited to see what the fuck happens from... I can't guess. Like, that's yeah. the thing with these Judge Dreads. Other than uh, the cliffhanger they did with the uh, uh, with the chief judge. Like, that mm. one, I'm just like, all right, one of them or both of them are not going to die. Obviously, right. one of them is not going <laughs> to Judge Dredd. Sure. Uh, so, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Like, I liked it a lot. Nice. What's yeah. your bottom throw for this month? Oh, boy. I mean, that's a little hard. Uh... I mean, I guess I'd just say, uh, me and Arena! <laughs> uh, but it's not like it was bad. I, I like Matt Talon on a revenge quest, because that's just who this character is now. There just wasn't yeah. a whole, I mean, there's a lot of game going on. Don't get me wrong. And, like, some, I mean, zombie android fights. I, like, I'm really into that. Like, I'm weirdly into robots what are zombies. But, you know, like, uh, if I've got to measure the good things, this would be the light, at least good thing of the good mm-hmm. things. How's That's that? fair. Yeah. All right, man. How about you? What was your top and bottom thrill? Top? Yeah, Judge Dredd gotta be. Like, no no question. Like, Apocalypse War, oh, it's just, it's the greatest. I love it so much. 
and the fact that they're now you know this makes it such a great um a great capper for sort of this first five years of Judge Dredd. You know, they had stuff with Judge Giant. They had stuff with Judge Griffin. Now they're bringing back, like, Hershey and Anderson and stuff. Um, it's a great, just a great way of using all the history of things that we've seen so far in Judge Dredd um, and sort of using them all in one big story, definitely. I love it a lot, man. Yeah. Real good. And uh, for bottom, I'm going to say Rogue Trooper this month. Um, yeah, not a lot like, getting done. Yeah, like it was, you know, there's only three, so it's not super fair, oh, but it's just yeah. sort of setting things up and stuff like that. You know, I do love Brass and Bland, so I'm excited to see them there, but then, you know, it was just a lot of sort of like two setup ones and then one sort of start of Dixie, you know, so I'm sure I'll have a, I'll have a different opinion once we get deep into the Dixie front uh, next episode. You know, I will say, like, I, I'm actually more thoroughly enjoying Rogue Trooper now that there's like, uh, there's something going on with with Bagman, right? Yeah. Like that there's there's a little bit of stakes going on like uh I can see the that. ships are in danger. Uh I think you're right like it you know there's not a lot of uh payoff going on although I think the Dixie thing is more interesting than not. I like him as doing like multi-part adventures to be perfectly honest. I agree. That's when more gets done with him as opposed to like the one-off adventures. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think just like a lot of it is sort of especially for rogue who has kind of this complicated backstory and you know there's there's a lot going on with rogue trooper so you kind of have to have those smaller one-shot things just to kind of establish who these characters are what Mm. the story is in the background and stuff like that you know so now we've sort of set up rogue we've set up the chips we put some conflict between them just with sort of like Bagman's um instability and then we've done some stuff with the Trader General and stuff, and now we can just start getting into, like, sort of meaty Rogue Trooper stories, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, man, getting shit done. It's all in all good. Good uh, good five-prog month. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, these five-proggers are always so long. It's always tough. <laughs> I, I'll be, I mean, now that I've got, I, look, I mean, if Nemesis the Warlock were in this, uh, and, uh, I don't know, Strontium Dog, I'd probably blow my load. Like It's true. <laughs> so far, so far, it's just, it's nice to have Robo Hunter back. Judge Dredd mm-hmm. is like I'm in love with Judge Dredd. Now. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so it's like getting real intense, and it's like not even because I like Judge Dredd. I mean, at some point we'll talk about this, but like on the periphery, I think a lot of people like Judge Dredd because he's pretty cool looking. I don't <laughs> know if I like Judge Dredd. He's cool mm. looking. I don't yeah. know if I like that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Like, let's talk about that next week when we sort of get yeah. the full extent of what Dredd's up to with this stuff. Because I All feel right. like that's going to be a big a big topic for the end of the Apocalypse War and stuff. And that sounds awesome. God, I can't wait. It's going to be good. And I hope everybody okay, enjoyed the show. Next time. Oh, sorry. Go for it. No, no. You you, you said what you were going to say, Fox. Oh, I'll no. be in the U.S. for it. <laughs> anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at SpaceSpinner2K for everything else. Look up SpaceSpinner2000. We should be there. And then come back next time as Minorina gets spooky. Ace <laughs> loses it all in Jubilee. Rogue keeps whistling Dixie. Sam Slade starts the Philby case. And after 25 progs and hundreds of millions dead, the Apocalypse War finally ends. Shit. All right. Awesome. Until next time, I'm Conrad Hughes Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spongebob Race. Spongebob Race.